welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy. We live in a culture where it's hard to want to connect. It's when there's snow, when it's icy, we, 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 we disconnect ourselves from potential connection because of the inconvenience or the what if, or it's too dangerous to drive. We live in a culture where it's hard to keep connection. And yet we're the most connected generation ever through social media. We're the most connected generation ever to connection, but yet we're the most all, also the most disconnected from relationship than we've ever been. Because we think that we're connected through social media, we're connected. But God wants you to build real relationships. And the reason why we launch connect groups is because we believe that this is not supposed to be all that you have. This is where we connect as a family and we just love on Jesus and we hang out. We pursue him and we grow together as a family. But there's something that happens in the little micro community during the week that you grow in relationship in a totally different way. Are you here this morning? You know, I was I, w- I went snowboarding for the first time in, a, in you know several years with my my wife on Friday, and um, I realized yeah, that I'm getting older because like man, like my I felt like my quads and hamstring just had like a I don't know what, but I can barely I could barely walk after that night, and uh, it was a great time. But near the end of the night, you know, Michelle felt like she was done, and so she went into the lodge, and I was going up the chairlift, I was going by myself, you know. Normally, like, I, it wouldn't be an issue for me because I, I like snowboarding. I love, I love it. I love the, the, just being on the hill and going on the hill. I love the, the vibe. I love the adrenaline. I love it all. But, you know, I don't know if it's just the older that I get or, or just because the scenario, I, I went into it with my wife. I, after about, like, six times or whatever going up the chairlift alone, I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I, I just felt, like, lonely, you know. You never felt like that, lonely? Because you're created to go up in life with people. Even though, you know, we may go on different hills, like she might go on the bunny hill and I might go on the black diamond. Not really. But even though we might separate and go our separate ways, there's something about going up along the journey to get to where you're going with somebody in relationship. The conversation, that's kind of what connect groups are like. Although you may be on different paths, on different hills in life, and doing different runs, there's something about going up each week, at least once a week, to hit your run, but going up with the support, the connection of relationship. That's why we launched Connect Group. That's why we do Connect Group. So, you know, I would encourage you, don't go up on the chairlift alone in life. Go up with people. Even though your, your journey and your hill might be different, go up with people. Let people be a part of your, your journey. And grow in relationship. Grow in relationship. Plus, if you wipe out and you're alone on the hill, there's no one there to help you. So, Psalms 138 verse 8 says, The Lord will accomplish that which concerns me. 
the Lord will accomplish that which concerns me. Literally reading in the, in the Hebrew like this, the Lord will bring to an end or to completion that which is about me. And this is a picture of coming full circle. And we are in week four of our full circle series. I hope you've been enjoying this. I hope you've been receiving from it. I believe that it's a, a prophetic season for many people in their journey where they've come full circle. You know, they've left one season only to come around uh, and, and into a process that allows them to birth something new, to grow into some new area, only to come back to where they originally started, even though now they're different. They look different. They sound different. They're more mature than they were when they left the previous season. But a lot of us in this season are coming full circle in areas of our life that we thought were forgotten or we thought were gone forever. We've come around to come into something new. And for week four, week four, without going through a recap, I don't have a lot of time this morning, without going through a recap, I want to dive into Genesis 32 verse 22. Let's go there. Genesis 32 verse 22. We're going to see where we land today. During the night, everyone say during the night. It's very important we read scripture like this because, and we read and pause because Night seasons are different than day seasons. Moments when it's dark are very different than moments when it's light. Right? So during the night, Jacob, everyone say Jacob, got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives and his 11 sons. Culture was different back then. And I don't want to get into it right now. And crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob and all of his stuff, all of his family, got them, came to, with his 11 sons, came to cross the Jabbok River. After taking them across to the other side, he sent them all over with his possessions. Then it says in verse 24, and this is at night, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. All alone. Another key word. He's, it's at night, and now he's all alone. Do you know what it feels like to be all alone at night on a chairlift? It's lonely. All alone at night, okay? All alone at night. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, verse 24. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. That man was the angel of the Lord, okay? It was an angel sent from God to be, in some way to be, be believed as um, Jesus himself in spirit form the angel of the lord okay so the angel of the lord comes to jacob and begins to wrestle with jacob some of your warfare in life is not from the devil it's not from your own soul it's with god where you wrestle with god for what's rightfully yours it's not wrestling in a negative way like we would see wrestling trying to win a fight it's wrestling to work out within us what we are made of. We pass everything off as like, oh, it's the devil, oh, it's the pizza I ate, oh, it's just me, whatever. Sometimes the wrestles in life are actually God trying to pull something out of you, and you just don't know it, and you're calling God the devil. You're wrestling with him on something. Once again, it's not a negative thing. We think it's wrestling is not always a negative thing. You wrestle with yourself all the time. It's actually a positive thing. You wrestle with yourself to get up to come to church with your kids. 
especially if you're on the team, worship team. You know, you got Julia and Brandon who have four kids and come, Brandon's on the soundboard setting up everything super early with a baby Bajorn baby on the front. The other two kids beside him and Julia on the stage. Like, you, you wrestle. I get it. You, but that's wrestling with God, not the devil. Because God has something to pull out of you. Now, sometimes the enemy will come and will attack you, try to stop you. I get that. And sometimes it's just plain you. A lot of what we blame the devil or blame on the devil is actually us. But we need something to blame. We don't want to blame us. We don't want to take responsibility, so we've got to blame something. A lot of it's just us, our own mindset. So he's wrestling with him until dawn began to break. Verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? Verse 27. The man asked, he replied, Jacob. My name is Jacob. Do you think God does not know your name? Whenever you're asked a question from a deity, when you're asked a question from God, Jesus himself, or even let's say an angel visits you, it's not because they don't know your name. They ask you a question so you hear your own answer because they're waiting for a confession on something. They want you to confess something. They want you to be, because you're held accountable to your words. So who are you? What's your name? My name is Jacob, verse 28. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God. Remember, it's with God and with man and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping. Everyone say limping. Very important. He was limping. He left with an injury because of the injury to his hip. And even today, verse 32, people of Israel don't eat the tendon near the hip socket because of what happened that night when the man strained the tendon of Jacob's hip. This was a climactic conclusion and simply a reflection of Jacob's entire life leading up to this moment. To understand why this had to happen, you have to go back and understand how Jacob was born, who he was. Names are very important all throughout Scripture. Your name is important. How people title you, how people call you, the name that's been given to you, very important. Now, when your mother or father names you, maybe they weren't thinking anything other than this is a cool name. But every name has significance. Nobody was named anything without a reason back in this time frame, on this timeline. Every name had a reason, okay? Every name had a meaning. And so when we, when we hear and read the story and the angel of the Lord is asking Jacob, hey, Jacob, bro, what is your name? There's something spiritual happening in exchange when he says, my name is Jacob. Because that name, that confession, tied himself to his origin story. It brought him back to all the things that he went through, all the deceit, all the lying, all the cheating, all the conniving. It was a defining moment because God wanted him to, cro wanted him to not only cross over, but to occupy. God doesn't want you to just to transition into a new season. He wants to occupy. He wants you to occupy the new season. 
So they cross over the fort of Jabok, and as they're there at night, he's wrestling while he's alone, and God's like, before you can move on into your destiny, into the thing that I have held on reserve for you for all of these years. I mean, Jacob was around, I mean, he was old at this point. He wasn't a young guy. He wasn't a young spring chicken at this point. He was older. He'd been through some stuff. He, he'd been calloused. He'd been hurt. He'd been betrayed. He had been the betrayer. Lying, deceitful. And now he gets to this point where before he can truly cross over and occupy the next season, he had to leave who he's been named in the past, who he was in the past, so he could be renamed and come into his future. Because the name was part of identifying who he is and who he would be. So let's continue. Let's, let's, I'm calling this message in the brief time that we have limping to leaping. Write that down. Limping to leaping. When you're broken to break through. The word breakthrough, people don't like that word. It's like cliche, you know. People say, oh, you're, this is the year of your breakthrough, and then it doesn't happen. They get discouraged. They hate that word. The reality of it is, it's the most amazing word. Why? Because your whole life is made up of breakthroughs. You break through in education, you break through in your first job, you break through in marriage, you break through having kids. Like there's every, every part of life is made up of moments, many moments of breakthrough. You can't escape it. The problem is, is that when we hear that word, we're like, breakthrough means like I've arrived at the pinnacle of my success and I'm like happy and there's no challenges anymore. It's not true, but that's what people actually subconsciously think, that if I can just have breakthrough, it will be easy and I can breathe again. The reality of it is when you break through into new territory, you have to, you, you won't, you'll breathe again, but now you have to learn a, a new rhythm of breathing. Like if you break through and you begin to, like the Israelites, they're in wilderness. They're, they're breaking through. After 40 years traveling in the wilderness, they're breaking through, breaking through, and they, a whole generation dies off because they complain. They, you know, they're holding grudges. They can't move forward. They can't advance. And, and the whole generation has to die because of the mindset. The mindset will kill you. Their mindset killed them. They had a mindset of slavery. A mindset of slavery will kill you. A mindset of sonship will save you always. That's the whole gospel message. God doesn't call you slave, but son. It's not gender specific, okay? You're all sons. That offends you. Sorry, it's just the language he uses so you understand. Because we model ourselves after the prototype, the son himself, Jesus. Fail, female or male, okay? So you're all sons. The, the mindset of a son is very different than the mindset of a slave. Very different. Very unique in its expression. Israel died because they had a mindset of the slavery. They had been for 400 years, generation after generation, enslaved by the Egyptians. They get out of that, but they couldn't get out of the mindset. Therefore, they died off in the wilderness, and a whole new generation had to be born so they could cross over, and all they had was a mindset of wilderness. That's all they had. All they knew was wilderness now. All they knew was mobile church. So they didn't know the promised land. They didn't know slavery where everything was there for them provided for them. They had to journey step by step, trusting God every time, every day, every day, every day, every day. And then they break through into the promised land, and now they're fighting giants because now they have to occupy land. They're not just traveling pilgrims anymore. They're actually pilgrims now that are on a mission to occupy land and settle down, cultivate land, 
build, grow, advance. Guys, listen, you break through from one season into the next, there's still challenges. You might be able to breathe again for a moment, but now it's a whole, do, a whole different rhythm of breathing. I mean, you're fighting giants. You weren't fighting giants in the wilderness. Now you're fighting giants. Now you're occupying. Now you're walking around fortified cities. You're trying to break down walls. I mean, it's even harder. Be careful when you ask God to give you a breakthrough. God, breakthrough in my finances. Now God gives you the finances, and now that finances crush you because you don't know how to manage it. It's easy to manage what you don't have. It's easy to manage little. But to manage a lot now, you break through a whole different level of warfare. You get what I'm saying? But we have this idea, but this is the reality. In the word breakthrough is the word break. You have to be broken to break through. Everybody in their life, okay? And I'm just going to say this. It, 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 it's, it, first of all, it's common sense. Everybody in their life will go through some level of brokenness that comes some in some form of suffering. No one likes it. No one maybe wants it to come. No one enjoys it. That's why James says, please try to get a perspective of to count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds because it's going to produce something amazing in you. Every celebrity, every person, doesn't matter what walk of life you come from, will be broken. And if you don't let God break you, life will break you. Something will break you. Someone will be a contributing factor to a breaking in your life. You're hearing this this morning. To break through, you have to be broken. To go through, it's the word breakthrough. To go through something, there has to be brokenness so that you can make it to the other side to last. If you're not broken as you go through, you will not last in the next season. So God has to change your name. What is your name? Things that have defined you in the past. Things that have been spoken over you. Labels that you've accepted. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I don't look good enough. I'm never going to have this. I'm never going to do this. I'm never, I'm never, I'm never. But, 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 but I can't, I can't, I can't. Because all these labels, Proverbs 18, 21, there, there are words that kill and there are words that bring life. How many words have you been believing that have been killing you? How many words have you been believing that have been giving you new life? What's the ratio? Do you believe in more of the negative against you or the positive for you? Do you believe that there are more against you in life to see you succeed? Or to see you fail or more for you to see you succeed? What's the narrative that you believe about yourself? Well, that is the, whatever narrative you believe about yourself is the name that's been labeled on you, that's defined you. You're living things in this season of your life because of names that you believed about yourself. I'm just an addictive person. I'm just um, a failure. I'm never going to keep a job. I'm never going to keep a, you know, relationship. I'm never going to, I'm never going to, my wife's never going to break through. My husband's never going to break through. My son's never going to break through. You know, I'm a failure as a grandparent. I'm a failure as a mother. I'm a failure as a father. And we, we label ourselves. We have a, a, a conversation in our mind. I'll always be this way. That name, that's a name that has labeled you. The good thing about the grace of God is that even those names, if you just choose to lean into what he says about you, can be broken in a moment. Those labels can be broken in a moment. Jacob had this problem. 
But Jacob went from Jacob to Israel. This is a picture of the gospel. You go from the old you to the new you. Jacob was the old him, the old version of himself, and Israel was the new version of himself. He had to become the new version of himself to come into the fulfillment of what he had, God had had for him. Jacob, if you look at the definition, and there's some controversy around it. People don't like talking about sometimes the definitions of names, but the word Jacob literally means heel. It comes from the word heel, to be at the heels of. Specifically in this context, when Esau, his brother, was born, his twin brother, he grabbed the heel of Esau. From birth, there was a jealousy. From birth, there was a deceitfulness. The name Jacob also means supplanter. It could be described as deceiver, cheater. Now, if your name is Jacob in this room, I apologize. There's other positive versions of what your name means. But I'm giving you the, 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 the Hebrew version and, 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 and the, 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 the actual, you know, sort of um, backdrop of why names were named like this in the past. So just track with me for a second. But let me just say this. Your limp, your limp is the reminder of whatever used to name you or what you feel is presently naming you today. So just take your struggle, take your issues and attach them to that name. What name is it for you? Who do people say that you are? What do people call you? What do you call yourself? What do you believe about yourself? When people call you dumb, how do you respond? People call you smart, how do you respond? When people say, oh, you're always going to fail, you're always going to be addicted to that, you're always going to struggle, how do you respond? Do you believe the lie or do you reject the lie? We all have labels that are put on us. Well, she's just that way, or he's just that way. Matthew 16, verse 13, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus was saying to his crew, who do the people? And then he shifts it. Who do you say that I am? How do you perceive me? Because how you perceive me will determine how you receive from me. But it starts with how you perceive you. Jesus knew he was the son of God. I want to know how people perceive me. What's the word on the street, guys? But even more than that, more importantly to me, those that are in my inner circle, what do you say about me? He said, well, you're the Messiah. You're the one to come. You're, you're everything we've been waiting for. That's great. God's revealed this to you by revelation, but I want to make sure you get it. Ask yourself the question right now, who do people say that you are when they look at, look at you? Wonder, wonder in your mind what they say about you behind closed doors for a second. How do they perceive you? How do they label you? Well, I'm telling you right now, how they label you, whether it's right or wrong, will determine how they receive from you. Perception is everything. All throughout Scripture, names were significant and were not given by accident. Daniel and his three friends, their names were specific and, and significant. And then their names changed as they were taken into captivity, held in Babylon. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. James and John were given new names, sons of thunder. Saul, when he had his experience with Jesus and had his conversion experience into understanding that Jesus was the way, his name went from Saul to Paul. He had a name change. Name changes were common because it signified a new identity. You've had a name change. If you've let Jesus into your life, you've had a name change. 
Doesn't mean you don't have a limp. Doesn't mean you don't have a past. Doesn't mean you don't have a history. Doesn't mean that you don't still struggle sometimes with that label, but it has no power over you now. The good news is it has no power over you. It only has power because you give it power, which is a lie. It doesn't even have power. It's been stripped of all its power. The greatest temptation of men now is giving something power that has no power. We're broken to break through into three realities. Write this down. We're broken to break through into the words that defined you. The words that used to define you. Maybe it's the words that still you feel like define you. Let me just go back to Genesis 35. Let's go to Genesis 35 really quickly. Genesis 35. I want to show you how Jacob's life ended, okay? I want to show you. So you kind of heard a little bit of a brief introduction of how he began. I'll go to that a little bit more in a second. But I want to bring you to the end first and then bring you back to the beginning. Genesis 35 verse 9, God revealed himself once again to Jacob after he had come back from Padanaram and blessed him. Your name is Jacob, heal. But that's not your new, that, that, but that's your name no longer. From now on, your name is Israel, which means God wrestler. Say it, God wrestler. God continued, I am the strong God. He said, have children, flourish a nation, a whole company of nations will come from you. This is the promise. Jacob went through everything he went through. I mean, he was, he, he was well into his hundreds, okay, at this point. People lived longer back then. The climate was different back then. I'm not going to go into a whole scientific, historical backdrop. It was different back then. He's in his hundreds at this point, and he's come to the end of his life, and it was the beginning of everything, everything that was promised to him. Remember, the patriarchs of the faith were Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God promised Abraham, if you remember, I talked about this in our first uh, week of, uh, of our, of our um, full circle series. I talked about Abraham's journey to becoming Abraham and how he had to leave his country. God had promised him greatness, but it wasn't until he was 100 years old until that greatness began to manifest through his son Isaac. And then after Isaac came Jacob. And Jacob was the third and the beginning, the starting point, really for the fulfillment, the beginning of the fulfillment of all the word over Abraham, the word over his grandfather. Are you with me? But let's go back to how it all began. Genesis 25, verse 21. Isaac prayed hard to God for his wife because he was, she was barren. God answered his prayer. Rebecca became pregnant, but the children tumbled and kicked inside of her so much that she said, if this is the way it's going to be, why go on living? She's having a pregnancy moment. She went to go to God to find out what was going on. God told her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples butting heads while still in your body. One people will overcome the other, will overpower the other, and the older will serve the younger. When her time to give birth came, sure enough, there were twins in her womb. The first came out reddish, as if snugly wrapped in a hairy blanket. They named him Esau, which means hairy. This is, I'm telling you, see, like, how the baby came about, how the baby came out, what they first, the first perception literally framed the label on their life. People's first impression on you or your impression on people will frame what they identify you as. 
she's rude, he's rude, he's arrogant. I deal with this all the time because, like, if, you know, if I say I, I miss somebody in the hallway, I don't talk to them, I don't make eye contact. The next thing on Google, he's rude. He didn't look at me. Man, I had to go to the bathroom, chill. Like, I, I'm sorry. I was on a mission. You know, like, 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 I'm sorry, you know. But here's the thing, like, their impression of me, the first time they meet me, will then give them a label for me whether it's right or wrong, and they will perceive me from that label. It's just human nature. So here Esau comes out, he's hairy and red, and so they call him, the older, Esau. Then it says they named him Esau. His brother followed, his fist clutched tight to Esau's heel, grabbing, come back in here. It's like, it's like, come here, you. It's like scorpion, you know, like, finish him. You know, anyway, sorry. All my 90s friends clap. Um, yeah, he pull, pulls him in, pulls him in by the heel, and so they named him Jacob, which means heel. Isaac was 60 when they were born. The boys grew up. Esau became an expert hunter and outdoor, outdoorsman. Jacob was a quiet man, preferring life indoors among the tents in the kitchen with mom. Literally, that's what it literally means. Isaac loved Esau because he loved his game, as in his, his, his hunting, his the food that he hunted, but Rebecca loved Jacob. Here we have father-son relationship, mother-son relationship. The father didn't seem to favor the younger, but favored the older because there was a connection there, and the mother seemed to favor the younger because there was a connection there. But this created problems. But we have to look at how he came into the world, how he came into his name to understand what began to define him. Now Jacob, meaning heel, meaning supplanter, coming in at the, at the lowest point, came in as somebody, into this world as somebody that would one day probably live up to that name. To supplant, to deceive, to potentially cheat his way into receiving the fulfillment of what he believed was his. And the same thing for Esau. So Jacob had to go through all of his life under this label, under this name, under this identity. And if you look at the life of Jacob, I don't have time to go into it because of time. But if you read the life of Jacob and you follow what he did to get to where he got to, you look at all the things that were probably unnecessary because of his decisions. The consequences of his actions. Deceiving his father to get a blessing that wasn't his. De deceiving his brother to convince Esau to sell him his birthright, which we're going to go into a second. So not only are we broken to break through into, from the words that have defined us, we are broken to break through into the pursuits that held us. Write that down. The name, your identity, defines your pursuits in life. For him, as the supplanter, Jacob, all he knew was he had to supplant, he had to deceive, he had to grab those and things that weren't his to get what he wanted. That's all he knew. So here he is in that culture, knowing the firstborn got it all. The firstborn in that culture, the firstborn son, got a double portion of the inheritance, had a special blessing from the father. I mean, they had the inheritance, the firstborn. That's why we are now called the firstborn among Jesus, who was the firstborn, among many brethren, the Bible calls him the prototype, and we are grafted into Jesus. We're in union with him, which means we are firstborn, which means we get the inheritance, which is why we're called co-heirs of Christ. 
Okay, I just fast-tracked. But rewind, in the culture, in this culture, the firstborn legally got it all. Got the goods. Jacob, knowing this, being the man that he was, wanting to get his way to the top, deceived his brother. Let's read it in Genesis 25, verse 29. One day Jacob was cooking a stew. Esau came in from the field, starved. He was hunting. Esau said to Jacob, give me some of that red stew. I'm starved. That's how he came to be called Edom, which means red, which is, a, which is actually another name for Esau. Jacob said, make me a trade, my stew for your rights as the firstborn. This is called curry in a hurry, okay? So good you'll sell your birthright. That's what it's called. This was actually a red doll dish, okay? So in that culture, this would be considered a red doll dish. So this is a curry dish. Esau's famished, right? Listen, he was identified by his pursuits in life. He pursued game, and the very thing he pursued is what took him out. You tracking with me? The very thing that defined Jacob in his name defined his pursuits, and it was those things that took him out and put a stop on his destiny, put a long process on his destiny. So Esau, he's famished. He says, make me a trade, my stew, imagine that. Give me some of your curry, and I'll give you my rights as firstborn. You know you have to be desperate and starving to sell your birthrights for some curry because you're in a hurry. Verse 32, Esau said, I'm starving. What good is a birthright if I'm dead? So Jacob played on that. Jacob said, first swear to me, and he did it. An oath. Esau traded away his rights as the firstborn through oath. Jacob gave him bread and the stew of lentils. He ate and drank, got up and left, and that's how Esau shrugged off his rights as the firstborn. You know, people give up their prophetic calling, the fulfillment of their destiny, because in a, a moment of weakness, you know that you can lose everything from one decision. Your marriage, your family, career. One bad decision because you're starving. Life's not satisfying you enough. You're not getting the fulfillment that you need. The very thing that's driving you, the love of money, the pursuit of happiness, rather than the pursuit of the one who gives you happiness, that very pursuit can take you out. And you can compromise in one moment of bad decision-making. You can lose everything. This is what happened to Esau. Imagine the regret in Esau at this, in this very moment. It's crazy. People do this all the time, though. Like, this is the world we live in. One bad comment on Twitter. One bad comment, one bad post, one bad conversation, one bad thing that you do can destroy your reputation and relabel you, re-identify you. This goes on, if you read it in chapter 27 of Genesis, I'm not going to go there for time's sake, but Isaac's getting older, their father's getting older, and they understand that not only is the birthright element important in this culture, but the blessing before a father would die, the, the father would lay their hand on the sons and bless them and pray specific decrees over them that would literally set them up for the future. And Jacob and Esau, knowing this, 
Esau had already lost his firstborn right for the inheritance. But now Jacob, being the man that he was, the supplanter that he was, was after the blessing now. And so because Isaac was going blind, Jacob decided to dress up because Esau was a hairy man. Very hairy man. So because Isaac was blind, the way that Isaac would know which son was which was because they would feel the hair. You know, they'd touch Jacob and it'd be smooth and moisturized and he's in the kitchen and hanging out with mom and using her moisturizer during the day and he's smooth, no hair on his body. Here we have Esau, he's out in the woods hunting, you know, like killing the, killing the animals. He's probably got blood in his hair. I mean, he stinks. Maybe he has dreadlocks, hasn't combed his hair in weeks and his whole body is like a bush. <laughs> and so he's he's so so Jacob knows this. Jacob knows this, and so he's like, "Hey, I got an idea. I'm gonna kill an animal, put the fur on me, because my dad's blind. He won't know that it's not Esau. I'm gonna trick him once again, deceive him. That's who I am. That's how I was born. That's what. That's the label that's identified me my whole life. I'm Jacob. I'm the cheater. I'm the supplanter. I'm at the heel." I did it to my brother. Now he's ticked. But now I'm going to do it to him again because that's who I am. I can't escape who I am, right? Who do you say that I am? I can't escape, but I am that way. It's like people will say, well, I'm just going to keep failing. Anybody know people like that in marriage? Well, I'm just going to keep forgetting. I'm just a failure. I suck as a husband, suck as a wife, suck as a dad, suck as a mom, as a friend, coworker. I just suck. We accept that label. It's been given to us. We, we, we experience the failure of it, and then we live in it. And so Jacob puts the fur on and convinces, convinces his father to give him the blessing, steals it, jacks it from his brother Esau, his older brother. Now he has the blessing, and he has the rights. Just took it all in a moment. And just as much, Jake, just as, much as it was Jacob's deceitful way and that he was in the wrong it was just as wrong for Esau to sell himself out for some curry because he was in a hurry you gotta remember that after today so good you'll sell your birthright now he has everything he needs but you know this is not the end of the story you guys if you read Jacob's life after he went through some hell false promises, things broken, things that he didn't have to go through, feelings of bankruptcy, being deceived by his uncle, not getting what he wants, being deceived into marrying the wrong girl. That would be crazy. Imagine that. I don't know how that happens, really, but it happened. <laughs> he woke up and he said, this is not the girl I thought it was. Anyways, that's messed up. Bad movie. But we're broke. He, he went through some stuff, is what I'm trying to say, that did not go his way. He was reaping, he was reaping everything that he sowed in life. He was reaping his deception. It followed him, it chased him down. That's what names do they chase you, they haunt you. Your history is like a name, it chases you, it haunts you. You're not over that addiction yet. You're not over that issue yet. You're not over that insecurity yet. See, it just happened again. You're not over that yet. You haven't conquered. You haven't been victorious. You just shared your testimony. And look, now all hell's broken loose, loose over your life. You're not over that yet. And your history comes back to haunt you and rename you again when Jesus has already come into your life and named you. 
Your past will come back to try to haunt you, to rename you again. That's the battle you're dealing with right now. You'll never be different than you were. You'll always be like you were. You'll always be that person. Though nothing will ever change for the better. So Jacob had to go through this process. The very thing he pursued in life is the very thing that put a halt on his destiny. But now years and years and years and years later, after he had worked through a lot of this stuff, had been through the result of the consequences of his action, he gets to this point. And my third point, my final point is this. We have to be broken to break through into the new name that he has for us. There's a new name that he wants to call you in this season. Now I'm speaking both symbolically right now. This is also a picture of the whole gospel message, you guys, about when you let Jesus into your life, he's renamed you as son now. No longer are you an orphan, disconnected from the father, not having no family. Now you come into, you've been adopted into the family of God as a son. No longer a slave to what you used to be a slave to, but now you are a son of the best father in the whole cosmos. This is the good news of the gospel. So yes, we are newly named if you've let Jesus into your life. But also, I want to say this to you too, that what defined you in the previous three, two, four, five, ten years of your life, 20 years of your life, doesn't have to keep naming and identifying you in the next decade of your life moving forward. That God has a new name for you. Maybe for you it's healed because you're not right now. Maybe for you, it's set free from that addiction because you're not right now. Maybe for you, it's set free from insecurity because you're not right now. Maybe for you, it's set free from the fear that holds you back from doing anything with your life because you're just afraid of failing all the time, and so you're paralyzed. You, you literally live in the analysis of paralysis, and you can't move forward because you overanalyze way too much everything, and so you don't do anything as a result, and it's paralyzing you and taking you out. And your name has been fear, but now moving forward, your name is faith. Maybe you've been struggling with negativity and been down all the time and discouraged and no longer is your name depression, your name is joy in the next season. You've got to identify and be God aware in this moment of what God wants to name you in the next season. Maybe you've been weak in the next season, God's going to name you strong. Maybe you have failed, God's going to give you success in areas that you feel like you failed. Maybe the door has been closed over and over and over and over again on your face and you just feel like you want to give up this next season the new name is there's a door open for you now it's a long name but the door is open for you some of someone in this room needs to hear this this morning that you don't have to let what used to define you define you anymore that you don't have to let what you used to pursue hold you captive anymore but God has a new name for you. And it brings us back to Genesis 32, our opening scripture. During the night, he got up, took his two wives, made servants 11 children. Which, by the way, is very important. You might not think it's important, but there's something in, in, in biblical study called the law of first mention. When you see something mentioned the first time in the Bible, it sets a precedent for every other time that it's spoken. It's the law of first mention. This is the first time we see that word 11 actually laid out. And it's actually, like I said in previous um, weeks, the Hebrew alphabet, okay, the Hebrew alphabet has every letter has a picture attached to it with multiple meanings. The 11th letter of the alphabet 
is the letter kaf. It's, it's said like kaf. I can't, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I don't say it right. Kaf in the Hebrew. And it actually means the place of power and provision. So think about this. Jacob, as the father with his 11 sons, is crossing over. Everything he's gone through up until this moment was about bringing him to the place of power, provision, and the supply he needed to fulfill his destiny in life. He's crossing over with the protection, the supply, and the provision of a father who cares. No longer is he enslaved to the previous identity of his life, but now he is a son. He's got a new name. No longer is your name Jacob, liar, supplanter, heel. Your name is Israel. You're a God wrestler. You prevailed against God. You didn't give up. I want to restore your reputation. Maybe you've lost reputation. People have talked bad about you in life. Maybe you've lost some, some clout with people, circles of people, groups of people, your job, whatever. I believe it's a season where God wants to restore some of that reputation by renaming you. You're no longer defined by what used to define you. He goes on, like I said, what's your name? My name is Jacob. He confessed, I am that person. I've let my name, I've let my identity define me. I've let my addiction, my insecurity, my fear, my, my supplanting, my deceit define me all of these years. I have to confess it. I got to get it out. I got to get it out. God, I want to cross over. I want to occupy the next season. I don't want to bring who I used to be into the next season. I can't bring the old label into the new version of myself, into the new season you're bringing me into. So I have to confess my name is Jacob. I'm a liar. I'm kind of screwed up, man. I'm kind of, I don't feel the greatest. I've done a lot of stupid stuff in my life, but I know that as I confess it, God accepts it and renames us, re-identifies us. Now I'm Israel. I didn't give up, but it didn't come out without a fight. Jacob, you're going to limp. The limp is going to be a reminder that you prevailed against God. You wrestled with God and won. The limp is the reminder. The scar on your back, although you're healed, is a reminder of what you went through, but that God brought you through. Everything you've gone through, the betrayals, all the things that have hurt you and brought you down, the relational discord, all that stuff that's got, you've gone through has set you up now. It's going to give you a limp, but because you have a limp, guess what? You're going to leap forward in the next, into the next season. Because you have a limp, you're going to leap. Because you have a limp, you're going to leap. Because you have something that you got through and conquered in your life, now you have a story to tell. Now you have something to do. And now you have a new season to occupy in a way that you never had before. You're limping to leaping. That's why you're broken to break through. you got to go through some stuff so you can break through into the very thing that God wants to bring you into. 